text for the sermon this afternoon is Micah 6, verse 8. Let's read that verse once again. And this is the word of God. He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Thus far, let us pray. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, our text of this afternoon is probably one of the most beloved texts in Scripture. I knew a man a number of years ago who had this text printed above the entrance to his business. His, his employees would see it every time they drove into the yard. It's a beautiful text. It resonates with us. And it resonates with us not so much because it tells us about what God has done for us, like John 3.16 might tell us, but because it reminds us of what we want to do in response to what God has done. Many of you will be familiar with this text. You will love it. You may have reflected on it. What you hear this afternoon will not perhaps be new to you. It will be like a walk with an old friend, a chance to get reacquainted or more acquainted. But for some, this text will be a new friend. In either case, this afternoon, we will humbly walk with our God and hear what he asks of us. Now as we step back from our text and, and look at it in its context, we'll see that Micah 6 is really the transcript of a court case. In verse 1, the Lord is bringing a charge against his people. He calls on the mountains and the hills to, to be witnesses in this case that he has against his people Israel. And he asks his people what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Apparently his people felt, the people of Israel felt that God, the Lord, was being somehow unjust, unfair to them. He had overburdened them. So God asks them, what have I done? What, how have I done this? And then he turns around and he tells them what he has done for them. He brought them up out of Egypt. He, he redeemed them from slavery. He gave them Moses, Aaron, Miriam, leaders. And then he brought them into the land of Canaan. He brought them into Gilgal. So the Lord's calling his people to remember the righteous acts that he has done for his people. And then what you have, beginning in verse 6, is a response from a worshiper. The worshiper asks, With what shall I come before the Lord? bow down before the exalted God. And as the worshiper responds, he, he presents actions that, that spiral upward almost into absurdity, almost into extremes. He asks about bringing burnt offerings. He asks about bringing thousands of rams. It's the only other time in Scripture where we hear of thousands of rams being brought in sacrifices for the dedication of the temple for Solomon. This is an extreme act of sacrifice. And then he says, how about 10,000 rivers of oil? And then finally he says, shall I offer my firstborn 
that God's commandments, God's law, lie at the root of what God asks of his people. To act justly. And the word used here for act justly is linked to the idea of ordinances or justice. Some translations of of this passage will say, do justice. When you read Leviticus 18, you'll see there that the same word in our text is used, and there what it says is, you must obey my laws. The same word is in our text. And be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws. The same word again. For the man who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. So the idea there is at the root of what God requires of his people, what is good, is that they obey him from the heart. The Lord is looking for covenant obedience. The Lord has a relationship with his people and he calls them to live in obedience to him. An obedience that comes from the heart and which is not simply an external show. And so the Lord is saying, live a life that is formed and fashioned by my covenant law. Love that law. Love it like the psalmist, Psalm 119. Learn the commandments and live according to them. Just think here of Deuteronomy 6, the verses 4 through 7. There Moses says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. That's a life that's formed and fashioned by God's covenant law. A life of covenant obedience. We just a few moments ago witnessed the baptism. Children, you you saw a baby being baptized, and you have all had that done to you. When you see that, when you see a baptism, when you see a baby get the water sprinkled on their head, what you are seeing is God saying to that child, you are mine. You belong to me. You're my child. I'm your father. And all of your sins, they are forgiven. They're washed away by that water, by the blood of my son. They're washed away because of what my son did on the cross. And the Lord is telling you in that baptism that he will work on you as you grow. That is life in the covenant. God works on you. The Holy Spirit will work on you your entire life. And that's really what we see in baptism. In baptism, we see the beginning of the God-ordained way of raising his children. We begin our walk with the Lord in covenant. In that relationship with God. He tells us that we are his and he is ours. 
charges parents to bring their children up in that covenant, learning to love God and love their neighbor. That's the law. That's life in the covenant. That call comes to all of us. Hear and obey. Acting justly, walking in covenant obedience is a sort of heart knowledge that becomes an aroma that rises from our lives. We love God. That's the summary of the law that the Lord Jesus gave. Love God. Love the neighbor. And so when we act justly, we love God. And because we love God, we love the neighbor. We act justly. We do justice to our neighbor out of that love. Micah has been called the the social justice prophet. And if you read through the whole book of Micah, you'll see that. Again and again, he brings home justice. That when you love God, you are called to act with justice towards others. And right after our text, we see at the second half of Micah 6, he's critical of those rich folk who who take advantage of the poor, who have dishonest scales, who are basically ripping people off, exploiting people, and misleading people. Prophet Micah is saying to those people, you do not live according to God's covenant law. You have not grown up properly in the covenant. Repent. Children, children grow up in the covenant. It goes for, for anybody who's three years old, ten years old, eighteen years old. Grow up in the covenant. Learn about God. Learn about His law. Children, that's why your parents teach you at home. That's why they teach you about who the Lord is and what He has done. And what He desires from you why they send you to school. It's why they send you to catechism when you're old enough. They want you to learn to love him and to love your neighbor out of that love. Children, you and your parents are like a child walking with their father. That child loves to walk with his or her father. He or she obeys him, eager to act like their father. And that obedience, that love, it has to go even deeper. That's what we'll see in our second point. Covenant faithfulness involves covenant love. The Lord says to us, he says to the worshiper, love mercy. The word used here for mercy is actually a word that means love, but which focuses on the actions that grow out of love. If there is a range of meaning to the word love, and and on the one hand you have the emotion, and on the other you have the action, the word in our text focuses more on the action. It's a love that is for the unloved. It's a love that's for the unlovable, the undeserving. It 
the love for the beaten down and the disadvantaged. The word in our text, mercy, is a good word. Translate that from Greek. It's also been called God's covenant love. That's the love that God has for his people. Now it acts justly. It calls the worshiper to love the commandments, to love God and the neighbor. But then love mercy calls the worshiper to love that love that underpins the law, which underpins the very covenant itself. The love that pervades the covenant, pervades the law. That's the love that God has for us. That love that rescued us from ourselves and from our sins. That love that saw us in our sorry situation and which had mercy on us. God calls us to love out that love to those around you. Love mercy. And this too is something that we grow. We learn more and more about that covenant love. The basis of the relationship that we have with God. We learn to love that love and grow in it. It begins to characterize us. We want to love like Imagine here, for instance, a kayaker. A kayaker is going down a smooth river. It's straight. It's easy to make his way. But then he comes into the rapids on his way to his destination. And as he, as he goes through the rapids, he sometimes is, is churned upside down. He's churned backwards. He's churned all over. You could imagine it would be hard to know which way is up and which way is down. Which way is left, right, north, south, east, west? He's completely spun around. But the experienced kayaker always knows exactly what way he pointed. And that's the way it is with our lives. Sometimes our lives are like smooth waters. It's easy to navigate. But more often than not, our lives are like rapids. We are turned around upside down. We don't know what's up. We don't know what's down. The way for us is somehow obscure. But when we love like the Father, when we are guided by His Spirit and by His Word, we know the way. We love mercy. We love that love which God has loved us. And that's not a love that's disconnected from Scripture. So often, people will present that to us as sort of a love that is disconnected from God and from His Word. But that's not what love is. We learn about that love from God's Word. We grow in that love because we see it in God's Word. A heart that is saturated 
with God's word and in prayer, in which is gripped by God's spirit, is a heart which knows the way to go. As someone has once said, Christians are those who prayerfully read God's word and then do what they want. The point of that saying is that when we love God, when we know God, then what we want is what God wants. God's will so pervades us that we wish to do His will. We love mercy. We want what God wants. That is life in the covenant. We're like that child walking with the Father, with His Father. Like that child, we're eager to love what the Father loves. And out of that love for our Father, we love what He loves. Father's love becomes our love. That's the way of the Spirit in our lives. As we walk with God, His love becomes the love that characterizes our lives. That's the way of the Spirit as the Spirit works in us. Danny and Heather, indeed all parents, have been called to be instruments of the Holy Spirit in this regard. Heather, with the Lord's strength, will raise Jackson, and parents here will raise their children to know God's love, and to love that love. And the hope is that when our children become a certain age, they will be able to say on their own, yes, I love God, and I love that love. I am amazed by His love. I love mercy. central to our lives. God is our Father, and He loves us, even though we are hell-deserving sinners. We are separated from God by our sins. We can't have fellowship with Him because of sin. But out of love, out of mercy, He has rescued us from that. He has removed the separation by His Son because He sent His Son to suffer and die for us. That's God's love. That's His mercy for us. Love that love. Grow. Grow in that love. The Holy Spirit will work on you your whole life through, showing you that love, teaching you to grow in that love. will be faithful. That is a promise and that is a threat. That is mercy and that is justice. If we, having seen and tasted this love, 
in this mercy, if we choose to turn away from it, we will see God's justice carried out on us. That call comes to us today. Love that love. God loves us in his son. He has mercy on us in his son. So cling to that son. Cling to Jesus. And love the love that is at the center. that we have with God, that covenant relationship is brought home so beautifully in the last line of our text. And that brings us to our third point, the covenant walk. Our text says, walk humbly with your God. Now walking means fellowship. Now we can think here of Enoch. Some of you may remember the story of Enoch. He walked with the Lord fellowship with the Lord, and he didn't die. He simply was no more. We can think of Abraham. Abraham walked with the Lord. David walked after the Lord, it says. And there are other examples in Scripture where we're told that, that they had close fellowship with God and they walked. And that is something that pleases God. That's something we need to get our minds around why he created us, to walk with us. Genesis 3, what is God doing? He is walking in the garden with man. That's what God desires. That's what the covenant is. Incredible though it seems, God, the maker of heaven and earth, has made a creature that he can actually have fellowship with, and he wishes to have a relationship with them. He wishes to walk with them. He wishes to walk with you. He calls himself our God. He is ours. We are his. Do not forget that. You are children of God. Walk with your God. And as you walk with him, know your place. Walk humbly as you walk with God. When we walk with God, we do not lag behind. We do not go our own way. We do not go ahead of God. We think back to the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve. There, we did not wish to walk with God. We wish to run on ahead. It says, we wish to be like God. We allowed our trust of God to be shaken. We doubted His intentions for us and the way in which He was walking with us walked with us in the garden, we ran. And Micah is addressing a people who have lost that humility, who have abandoned that walk, and who have ignored their God. There is this lack of humility that you see in the words of the worshiper before our text. It's as though God has been somehow unfair to him or unreasonable. God has acted poorly toward him, toward Israel. He has burdened them. And the world around us says the same thing. They would try and make God's voice sound cold and harsh. But do not let them convict you. Just a 
promise in Scripture is that they will be silenced. Eventually, they will be told that God's mercy was there for them. That they knew what God required of them. They will be told, like the worshiper is told, that it was shown to them. It was made known to them. What did God require? What is good? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. When we look at the fall of the sin in the garden, we already see that all was not lost there, even when Adam and Eve sinned. God came after us. He came after Adam and Eve, and he showed us the way to walk with him. He took our fig leaves and he gave us proper clothes. He showed us the way to walk. He started the long journey with us, a journey where we did not always walk with him, where we resisted him, where we abandoned him. His Son being nailed to a cross to bear that eternal punishment for sin, to make us right with God once again. And that's the walk that He is still on with us. This is our God. He walks with us. Walk humbly. worshiper asks about offering his firstborn son for his sins. The worshiper appears to think that this is an extreme show. But the reality is that God has given his son for our sins. He does it all. loving the love he has for us and humbly walking. He's done it all. He wants covenant faithfulness from us, but he is the one who has been faithful even when we were not. He has loved us. He has had mercy on us. He has saved us even though we fall short. This is the God we walk with. We walk with God as a child walks with a father in steps. I think when we see a picture of a child walking with their father, that is the thing that comes to mind. That little hand in the father's hand. Complete trust. That's how we walk humbly with our God. Savor the knowledge that your hand is in his hand and that you walk with him. In all your comings and in all your goings, led by him and have that joy of the journey with your father. Amen. Let us now respond to the proclamation of the word by singing hymn 56, Loving Shepherd of Thy Sheep. We'll sing hymn 56, all four stanzas. If you're able, please rise.